Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is a special edition of Wiretaps for Monday, July 3rd, 2023. I'm actually flying solo this week as I'm on the road in San Diego, California. I'm attending the annual GMAC conference, which is a conference for business schools. I do want to give a quick shout out to usual co-host Alex Brown. He'll be back with me next week. Now, since I don't really like doing these shows by myself, uh, I managed to kind of wrangle a few very special guests to take part. You're going to hear from them later in the show, but as you might imagine, given that this is the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast, I was able to connect with some uh, MBA admissions directors from leading schools, so they're going to join me uh, momentarily. Now, before we do that, um, I did want to give just a little bit of background. For those of you who don't know, the GMAC conference is the big kind of admissions conference for admissions officers uh, from business schools each year. And it's run by the same organization that makes the GMAT exam. And they typically bring together hundreds of admissions officers from all the leading business schools. I think there are about 700 people at this year's conference. So before we get into some of those conversations that I was able to have with folks uh, at the conference, I did want to run down some of our regular news and notes. Uh, as everyone probably has noticed on Livewire, there still continues to be a little bit of waitlist movement. Um, I've seen you know some of the schools like Kellogg and Duke continue to kind of admit folks from the list. There'll probably be more to come uh, in the coming weeks, but it, it you know in theory, I know Alex and I have been saying this for weeks now, but it should be slowing down as the classes kind of solidify. But still some movement, so keep an eye on Livewire if you're someone on a waitlist wondering if anything's still happening. The other big news is, you know, we continue to um, get really excited about our uh, July kind of event series. We're going to do a bunch of virtual uh, webinars focused on essays. Uh, it's called our Essay Insight Series. You can sign up for them by going to bit.ly forward slash CA MBA essay. And basically starting July 12th for four weeks in a row, every Wednesday at noon during your lunch break, if you're on the East Coast or maybe breakfast time if you're in California, uh, like I am today, uh, you can hear from, we do, do these panels with you know typically anywhere from three to five schools. We've got Wharton, Chicago, Tuck, Haas, Darden, Columbia, Duke, Yale, Georgetown, Michigan, Cornell, LBS, INSEAD, Carnegie Mellon, UNC, and maybe a couple more. Um, I got to get the list updated from my colleague, Mike. But those schools are all taking part. And these are great events that help you to learn a lot about how to approach the essays as you're thinking about applying to these programs. Uh, over on the website, we did run an admissions tip about volunteer experience and how you might think about that as you're writing, you know, filling out your application forms and talking about any kind of community service that you've done uh, and just, yeah, what schools are looking for with that kind of thing. So be sure to read that if you're uh, embarking on that aspect of the process. Uh, we did connect with two admissions directors for Q&As uh, on the website. So interviews conducted by Lauren Wackel on our team, who's our editor-in-chief. Uh, she caught up with um, Imran Kanga of Toronto's Rotman School of Business, and she also uh, had a conversation with Holly Hinton from OSU Fisher. That admissions director Q&A series will run for the next several weeks, and we've got a whole bunch um, teed up and ready to go. So stay tuned for more of those from a whole, a whole bunch of uh, top schools. So yeah, just keep, keep reading those. They're really useful as you start to apply to these programs. And then we also did two Real Humans alumni pieces. We caught up with Alexia, who's an Emory Guizetta grad from the class of 22 and works at Goldman Sachs as an investment banking associate um, from St. Andrew, Jamaica. 
uh, originally and was a corporate attorney and entrepreneur before coming to business school. And, you know, we, I like to share little tidbits uh, when we do these. And so one of the things that she said is she said, talk to as many people as possible in and outside of industries that you're interested in without conversations with my classmates who knew they were banking bound before business school. I would never have found banking because I had tunnel vision to get to going back to being a founder or launching a VC fund. So here's someone who really pivoted, you know, was an attorney and an entrepreneur, but she pivoted into investment banking. And I guess she's claiming that if she hadn't had some of those conversations with her classmates, she never would have discovered uh, banking as a potential path for her. So very interesting stuff. We also connected with Jordan who graduated from Michigan's Ross School of Business in 2020, so several years ago now. Um, and, and Jordan is an engagement manager at McKinsey, uh, originally from Champaign, Illinois. And one thing that uh, Jordan says, he says, if standing, <laughs> he says, if standing, please feel free to sit while I go hard on this answer. And this is a piece of advice that he had. He says, chill out more and check in on your peers. Recruiting is going to take a toll on everyone except for those who are super self-assured. Most of your classmates who are recruiting are nervous as heck, and they're likely questioning themselves too. So while it sounds cliche and trite, believe in yourself, believe in your talents, and take time to recharge, and know that you're going to get an offer. Just look at the offer rates at schools. <laughs> and if you don't get one in the industry you want, there are always fallback options. And if you don't get one offer from a company that you aren't very excited about, you can change jobs. Right, so plus, and he talks about second year re-recruiting awaits you. So if you do, I guess, an internship that you're not excited about and you get an offer to go back and you don't like that idea of do, of going back, you can just um, recruit in the second year with everyone else, right? So um, in any event, and then he closes by saying, I promise things will work themselves out. In the meantime, enjoy two amazing years and support your friends when they need you. So that was really nice and touching. And, and I think Jordan, in this case, you know, he's got a few years of hindsight now because he's quite senior at McKinsey, having been there for a few years. So great advice. Really appreciated um, both Alexia and Jordan taking time to connect with us on the website. They did entire interviews. So if you want to read more from either of them, head over to the site and do that. Um, we also continue to be on the lookout for your emails uh, or reviews and ratings of the show. So wherever you're listening, if you haven't given us a rating or written a review and, and can do so, we would greatly appreciate it. Otherwise, you can always write to us at info at clearadmit.com. Use the subject line wiretaps uh, and we'll write back. So we always try to get back to people who, who communicate with us. Um, we always appreciate hearing from you too. So before we get into the final um, segment of this week's show, which is going to be a series of interviews um, I did want to say just being at this conference this week has been pretty eye-opening. Obviously, you know, a lot of discussion about the new GMAT exam, um, a lot of discussion about the Supreme Court ruling that just came down, uh, you know, this past week. So it's just been um, really interesting and great to connect with, as I said, about 700 people here in the industry. Uh, clear admit, um, I was, we were here because I was actually giving a, a talk about whether or not career services and admissions should interact much in terms of selecting candidates for a program, like how important are career goals um, in the admissions decision process. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but without further ado, I do want to get into some of these interviews that I was able to conduct. I'm going to apologize in advance if the audio is not great. I was kind of grabbing folks as I could and, you know, sneaking them off to a, a nearby um, kind of lounge area to sort of chat and ask questions. Now, I was able to catch up with J.R. McGrath at Carnegie Mellon Tepper, uh, Eric Askins from Berkeley's Haas School of Business, and Shelley Heinrich 
Hammock uh, from Georgetown McDonough. And then I also um, later in the conference connected with Bruce Delmonico from Yale School of Management. So those are the four folks you're going to hear from. In each instance, I ask them these same two questions. Uh, the first question is about kind of standardized testing. And you'll hear more as you hear these little interviews, you'll hear um, the exact nature of the question, um, but effectively talking about GMAT and GRE and the new versions of those exams. And then I also was able to talk to all four institutions um, and, and guests here about generative AI and chat GPT and just what are their views. So you'll hear more about that as well from each of our guests this week. Um, please give a listen to their sound bites and enjoy. It was really fun for me um, to connect with everyone. I'm here with J.R. McGrath from Carnegie Mellon Tepper School of Business. J.R., what's your title again? I always forget everyone's titles. Absolutely. So I'm the executive director of Master's Admissions at the Tepper School. Okay. So I had two questions for you, as you know. The first one is about testing. So we've got, you know, both GMAC and ETS have introduced new versions of their tests. Uh, and I was just wondering, like, do you have a point of view on that? Like, do you think it was sort of time for both of them to do that sort of thing? And, and then also... How does that impact the admissions process if you're dealing with, you know, some people are taking one test and some people might be taking the other in terms of the versions of these tests? Yeah, I'm glad that they wanted to review their tests because I feel like you always need to update based on what MBA programs or graduate education is teaching. So I, what I've seen so far, and, and we've been given glimpses so far of it, but not yeah. a tremendous amount because uh, they really just announced these changes. You can't even take the test yet. Right, right. Um, so I'm glad that they decided to do this. I think where the world is moving in a lot of ways is to ensure that we're consistently evolving, but giving a little bit more power back to the candidates. Um, and what I'm hearing so far is it's going to give them, the candidates, a little bit more flexibility in how they take the test, right. what is being tested. So for me, I like that because I feel like we're going to get the best glimpse of a candidate in terms of showing what they can do and possibly taking down some of that stress or anxiety from tests. Yeah. Um, as an admissions team, obviously, anytime you get a new data point, you always figure out how you can work that into your process. And I think for admissions teams, it's gonna be a little bit easier because we're gonna do the research, we're gonna to talk to our GMAT reps and really understand it. Right. As I then talk to others within the school that could be part of those admissions committees and trying to give them the context of why does this score range differ from the previous score range or what do these percentiles mean? It's gonna be harder, I think, for others sure. to understand it as well. So I think when we're, we're working through this candidate, it's gonna put it a little bit more on the experts on my team to be able to convey that correctly. Got it. Um, but I think when you have more options for candidates, I think that's better. And now, and I guess I'll summarize in this way is that with most programs having some sort of test optional or waiver policy, um, I think we just have to be more flexible in admissions to really get to know the candidate better and make that individual assessment and, and evaluation. So I think it's a good thing, but our world keeps getting more complex. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's on us, that's not on the candidates. I'd rather it be better for them and us right. be able to navigate that world. Got it, okay, yeah, I appreciate that. And then the other thing I wanted to ask you about, complete shifting of gears, but also super topical, is about um, artificial intelligence and, you know, chat GPT. And I just wonder, like, what's your take on, you know, because I'm sure candidates are thinking about these tools as they start to brainstorm their essays or, you know, it just, it's sort of ubiquitous. Like I heard someone telling me the other day that, 
uh, cover letters for like jobs are now like people are using yeah. you know these tools to like write their cover letters and so that's changing the way people look at that stuff but what's the admissions stance on this stuff yeah I think it I think it's great uh, well great question is that any help that a candidate can get I always encourage them to use it but I encourage them to use it to make sure that they're still able to put their more authentic self forward so there's always been people or resources to help you create a stronger application or a better essay. And you know, for me, like my undergrad was in physics. I am not the most eloquent writer. I can give a really good message, but I have those people in my like, in my circle that can say, "Oh, you know, I know this is what you really meant, but maybe you want to say it in this way." So, like, I think in that way, I'm I'm glad that it's going to give that type of opportunity probably to more people. But the candidate still has to essentially. Um, like I would say this, like match what's on paper. So you can use these tools to create a stronger application, but there's always going to be that interaction component of an admissions process, especially for business. Right. And like, as long as the candidate is really using the information that they want to talk about and then, and, and it like matches up, then I think it's going to be a good thing. But for those that, that didn't like, Oh, well, that was just an awesome response with chat GPT. Right. But like, that's not really me. Right. <laughs> it's going to be very apparent in the interview. So, so I would just say like, use it, but I would caution you to make sure that you're using it to put your best self forward rather than what you think the best response is forward. Okay. Yeah. And you were telling me earlier before we kind of pressed record, you were talking to me earlier today about how you all at Tepper, you know, you're interviewing everyone. Like the admissions team is interviewing the candidates that make it to that phase. And so you have a lot of control over the process as a result. And so you're really easy, easily going to be able to see if what's on paper doesn't add up to what's in person kind of thing, right? And that's, well, and yeah. well, absolutely. And for us, like we like to, because the essays for us are parts of the application that you can really put yourself forward. So yeah. those are some of my favorite parts of the interview. I know the same thing for my team. Like we want to hear those stories that you're going to tell, but then we're going to probably dive a little bit deeper into it in the interview. Right. So I know in, in some ways, like I'm excited for that. Yeah. Um, and, and so I'm not worried about can we make a good decision with that out in the environment? Yeah. I'm just hoping candidates use it in, a, in the appropriate way. Got it. All right. Well, Jay, I appreciate you making time. I know it's a busy like week for you here at the conference, so I appreciate you making a few minutes to do this. Absolutely. Thanks, Graham. All right. All right. I'm with Shelly Heinrich from Georgetown's McDonough School of Business. She's the Associate Dean, Director of Marketing, MBA Admissions. Shelly, how are you doing? Good. So, uh-huh. Good to see you. Yeah, you too. So I have two questions for you. Um, the first is about testing. So both the GRE and the GMAT have new versions of their tests that have been unveiled and that will be kind of in action this coming admission cycle. So I was kind of curious, like, first off, like, what do you think of that? The fact that these tests have been revamped, but also any, like, thoughts about challenges or things that that may create when you're, you know, looking at files and you might have people coming through the process this year to having taken one or the other of each of these tests, you know, so what are your thoughts? Definitely. Well, first of all, change is constant. (laughs) So in our industry and in all industries, you know, we always have to be mindful of our customers and the demand um, and, and, you know, what they need. And I think we've seen over the last few years, um, you know, people having more testing anxiety, people questioning more the value of tests. Um, so it makes sense if I you know, were 
looking at the, the side of the, the companies managing these tests that we would evaluate them. Yeah. Are they still relevant? Um, as, as any company would evaluate any product. Um, and so I think with both tests, the GRE and the GMAT, they have shortened the time of the actual test, which should then, the benefit of that should be to help reduce some test anxiety. I mean, people aren't gonna be sitting in room trudging through questions for a long time. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I think they've each done different things as it relates to the sections of the test. It seems like GRE has kept the sections constant. Um, GMAT has reduced some of the sections, added. So they've, they've looked at the test, and I think that's um, I think that's all good. Candidates are certainly going to have to get to know and understand um, what's different. Um, GRE has kept the writing section, which will be interesting given the rise of ChatGPT. Yeah. That will actually uh, yeah. perhaps help admissions teams. Um, GMAT has taken away the, the writing section. So um, I think as we move through, it's going to be important, though, for us as schools, as well as the testing companies, to educate. Um, educate on differences in scoring. I know GMAT has um, adjusted their scoring. Don't worry, candidates, we will know that as admissions team. So what used to be a 700, we know is not going to be a 700 anymore, and we'll account for that. Right. Um, uh, but we'll have to educate students. Um, if students have taken old versions of tests and then new versions of tests, we're also going to look at that separately. We will accept those scores. Again, scores are still valid for five years. Right. So you don't need to rush and take a new test. Um, okay. And, and we'll account for that separately. You can submit all scores on the application. Okay, great. Um, yeah, really good point about, you know, it's, it, is, it is a product and, and any good company, you know, re reassesses their products from time to time. So that makes sense. Uh, and also you kind of provided a perfect segue into the next bit, which is about ChatGPT and generative AI. Like, do you have a point of view, like, about, you know, people using these tools in the application process? Because I heard, I talked to a career person recently who was saying how cover letters for jobs are now, like, being written by, you know, ChatGPT and... Like, do you think, I mean, does, does, yeah, does Georgetown have, like, a, a policy about this? Is there a statement that people are signing when they're submitting their application essays, or what's the stance? Definitely. Well, um, you know, ChatGPT has uh, snuck, up on a, snuck up on us quick. Yes. Um, certainly there's going to be a lot that we can learn from it. But I think the one thing that, that ChatGPT does really well is, is write generic content. It yeah. does it very well. Great grammar. Um, <laughs> You know, what I think it lacks is the personalization. And one of the things that we look for when we admit students is getting to know them better as, as an individual, their life experiences, their professional experiences. And ChatGPT yet doesn't dig into someone's um, <laughs> life and professional experiences, maybe in 10 years, who knows. Um, so I think as a, as a candidate, if you simply were to put a ChatGPT response in an essay, you are going to be at a disadvantage because it's not going to tell us more about you. It's just going to show us that you can write grammar really well. Right. Um, so it will be a, a you know a challenge for you to make sure it's it's personalized. Um, you know, a lot of schools will be having the standard kind of disclaimer that says, "I attest that this work in the application is all my own, um, and then it's from my own thoughts and writing and everything." So I think. You know, candidates should just be wary of um, wanting to represent their true self right. through examples in the application. Okay, that makes sense. Shelly, I appreciate you making time. I know we're really busy at the conference here, but I couldn't resist um, grabbing you for a couple minutes. So thank you so much. Yep, no problem. Happy to help.
Uh, so I'm with Eric Askins from Berkeley's Haas School of Business. Uh, Eric is the Executive Director of MBA Admissions uh, for Haas. Uh, Eric, appreciate making time. I know you're busy here at the GMAT conference, but really appreciate some time. Happy to be here. Thanks so much. Uh, so the first question I had for you is about the tests. Uh, both GRE and GMAT have new versions of the tests that are kind of being introduced arguably kind of mid-season, you know, so they're going to be people applying to Haas this year who've taken the old GMAT as well as maybe the GMAT Focus Edition. Um, same thing for the GRE. I guess the first question around that is really just what do you make of these tests being revised in the first place? Like, are you, do you welcome that? Or you, yeah, do you have a point of view on the new, new versions of these tests? Sure, absolutely. Thanks for the question. I think uh, within our organization, one thing that we've always tried to be is applicant-centric. Uh, and I'm very excited to see that the major testing companies are taking the same tack to be an applicant-centric offering. And what does that look like to us? As far as we can tell, these tests have reduced the time it takes, not only to complete the test, but also to prepare for the test, mm -hmm. which I think is a significant portion of this process that's not often discussed. Yeah. But this will take less time to prepare for and allow candidates with different circumstances and in different environments to truly explore the assessments that are right for them mm -hmm. uh, and prepare and submit those. Now on the application review side, yeah. we're very excited to see these new tests. Uh, the GRE, I believe, has the same test segments yes. in shorter components and the GMAT is actually adjusting their test segments slightly. And, uh, I think in both of them they're removing uh, a significant amount of written work. Right. Uh, I think that's going to lean into the way in which we evaluate these applications. We want to spend time looking at your writing and your essays, but within the testing and assessments, what we're looking for is a uh, demonstration of your ability to handle the academic rigor of the core. Right. And we believe these tests will still allow us to do that. The one thing that has also required us to do is to refresh our training. Yeah. We're an organization that cares deeply for the quality of the work, not just the quantity. When we look at your transcript, we look at the courses that you've taken, not right. just the GPA. Mm -hmm. When it comes to the new GMAT, the new GRE, we're going to be focusing on the content that's in these new tests. Okay. And we're going to be on a learning journey as well, taking our time to understand uh, what each of these components are, how relevant they are to the academic rigor of our core, and focusing in on that. You know, what it does mean is it relieves the burden for both the candidate and for the admissions officer of using shorthands, benchmarks. Uh, a 700 is a good score, a uh, seven, you know, a six something is not. We're not in that space anymore. We're free of those structures and able to once again delve deep and look at what is your percentile relevant to the other folks who've taken the test. Um, that's going to be really helpful for us to return to why we look at these assessments in the first place, which is an understanding of your ability to handle the academic core of an MBA program. Right, got it. That makes sense. Yeah, and I feel like we're probably both learning quite a bit about the tests here, you know, at the GMAT conference because they've had several sessions um, on that. So that's been really interesting. Uh, I guess the other thing I wanted to ask you: you mentioned essays and how you're going to be looking at essays to, you know, and maybe less so at the test for that piece. Um, so my next question is about generative AI and you know ChatGPT, and and so I'm wondering, like, does Haas have a policy? Like, you know, because some candidates are going to, you know, have access to these tools maybe think, oh, I can use these to help create my essays or something. And so I'm wondering, like, do you guys have a point of view on that? Sure. So we've all 
always had a policy on any written submitted work. Uh, it's in the signing page of our application. And that policy states clearly that we want this work to be a product of the candidate, not a product of uh, a consultant, uh, you know, crowdsourced from the internet or supported through generative AI. Now, that being said, we recognize that the genie is out of the box for this, yeah. right? I, uh, Graham and I were just joking a minute before we started this podcast that, uh, you know, it's already baked into Gmail. It's already baked yeah. into some of the tools that we're using. Uh, so that being said, what I'll lean into is what our application prompts are. Our essay prompts are what makes you feel alive while you're doing it and why. If you were to run that through uh, <laughs> ChatGPT or Bard or the other ones, and, and we have, uh, what you'll get is a very generic answer. Right. It doesn't tell me who you, the candidate, is yeah. or um, what your goals are, what you're hoping to achieve in life. Now, if this helps you with grammar, if this helps you with sentence structure, I assume that that's, uh, it could be useful for those purposes, but it's not going to tell me who you are. Yeah. And we do think that that's really where the candidate has the opportunity to shine. Our second uh, essay this year is your short-term and long-term career goals. I don't believe that an AI is going to be able to tell me what you want to do or what you want to accomplish. So we're hoping to get to know you a little bit better. Okay. And we then took one of our other essays offline and turned it into a, a video introduction to really give a broad array of opportunity for candidates to tell us who they are, um, to not allow tools to maybe constrain them, yeah. uh, but instead to kind of take those tools out of the way and give us a chance to, once again, get to know the candidates deeply. Okay. And you know, I'm, I'm like a big fan of your first essay question. We've talked about it before at the Clear yep. Admit events and stuff. And I think it's, um, it's, it's sort of AI proof, like you're saying, in the sense that, you know, what makes you feel alive? I mean, it, yeah, it's just, it's meant to really come from the heart and to give each candidate a chance to sort of like yeah. showcase who they are really. So I, yeah, I hear you there. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to get your take on it. So really appreciate you making time. I know you probably have a million other things you could be doing at the conference, but thanks for taking a few minutes. Well, Graham, it was great to have a chance to speak with you and uh, to all those listeners out there, best of luck with your applications. I'm with Bruce Delmonico from the Yale School of Management. Bruce is the Assistant Dean of Admissions at Yale. Bruce, thanks for making a couple of minutes today. No, thanks so much. I'm happy to be here. Um, so I have a couple of questions. The first is about both the GRE and the GMAT have been like revised and they have these two new, you know, new tests that are going to be in the market. I just wondered, first off, like, what's your, what is your point of view of them like revising these exams? Sure. Um, yeah, that's a great question, Graham. And and definitely both of them are changing in a few different ways. And I, 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 personally, I think it's very positive. I think you know the, the main thing that's common to both those tests is that they're getting shorter, which I think is a very candidate-friendly change. Yeah. Uh, really help, uh, I think, level the playing field a little bit because it will require less prep, less, less work to, to go into taking the test. I think it's more accessible. Um, all good things. You, the other, you know, there are some other changes, too, that I think are, are certainly on the, the GMAT side in particular. Um, so the, the ability to, to reorder um, to, to the, the test correction, you can change in, uh, up to three answers. Um, so there are a lot of uh, other candidate-friendly changes that I think are helpful. And then on the, on the school side, um, you know, I don't. You know, I think on the GRE, there's not as much changing beyond shortening the test. But on the on the GMAT side, uh, they're recalibrating the scale, which I think will be very helpful to schools in terms of the, the evaluation. Yeah. Um, we'll have to get used to the new scale. Uh, and the new calibration, but we're you know we'll look at the percentiles, and we're very used to that. We've had this happen before, and so I think there'll be um, you know a little bit of a you know 
getting getting acclimated to those changes, but I think that'll happen very quickly. Okay, and you guys, so you guys are, I guess in this coming admission cycle, you might have scores that are from the new test on the old, but right. you'll you'll just you guys will be ready to sort of yep. look at those and okay. Yep. No, I think that's right, and I think for the the GMAT in particular, I think it's uh, Q4, so those those tests will be coming for round two. Two. Yeah. Uh, and there's a concordance table, and you know we'll be have training, and we do always do reader training for our for our team anyway, so that'll be part of it. So we'll be we'll be ready to go and very well prepared. Okay, great. Uh, the other question I had is a totally different question about generative AI, yeah. and in particular ChatGPT. Um, you know, is there a policy at ELSOM about use of these tools? Because I feel like I was talking to you know, I just it's just everywhere, right? I mean, it's yeah. like people are using these tools. So, what's your take on that? And does Yale have a policy? Yeah, no, it's a great question. Another great question, and, and I, it's it's been a topic of conversation among schools. And it's, I think schools are taking different approaches. I think for us, we don't have a, a Chat GPT specific policy, but we do have a statement statement of honesty in our application that says that the the work of, of the application, including essays, is entirely your own work. Right. Um, and, and I think the the Chat GPT would would cover that. We don't. I, I think we want you to be whatever written product you present to us should be your work. And it's not that we have anything against ChatGPT or its usefulness. It, I, I, frankly, I, I don't know that it even would be helpful for candidates to, to use it because the whole point of an essay is for it to be sort of your voice and right. your experience and your your and having you know some external entity tell you about what you should write about or kind of put something together for you is not not I don't know if that's in the in the spirit of that and maybe not always to your advantage, but. Um, I think the the hope would be that this these essays are you know we try not to make it so burdensome that it's it's not something you can't do yourself and that it, that's really not maybe not not advantageous to do that but but I will interesting to see how candidates approach it. Yeah, and do you have the same you have the same essay question the main the, the question that you ask um, that hasn't changed for this year. Remind me what's the wording of that question? It's like um, yeah, oh, it's okay. it's describe your biggest commitment. Yeah, and we're 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 looking to see whether our application actually as we're, as we're recording this and you know our application will be. Live in the next couple of weeks, and we, we might be tweaking the the essay portion. Okay. Um, but but you know that that has been a very popular essay prompt, and we're we're, we're strongly considering keeping it because we we do like it. I think candidates do like it too. And I guess what's interesting about it from a ChatGPT standpoint yeah. is that it's not. I mean, it might be difficult for ChatGPT to sort of write that in terms of like. I mean, how would it know? You know, like yeah. I mean, I, it's sort of a yeah. So I just was curious. Um, well, we'll stay tuned to find out yeah. like what you guys are doing with the application, but. Um, yeah, so it sounds like the general policy that you have uh, about the work being the candidate's own is really the prevailing thing here. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense. And, yeah, so I appreciate you making time to ask these, to sort of answer these questions. I know you could be doing a lot of other things at the GMAT conference, but I just thought great opportunity, you know, for me to kind of grab grab you and, and chat for a couple minutes. So appreciate it. No, of course. It's always great to catch up, Graham, and I always appreciate taking the time. All right. Thanks so much. All right, so those were the interviews I conducted here at the GMAC conference. A huge thank you to JR, Eric, Shelley, and Bruce for making a few minutes to share their insights on these topics. And obviously, thanks to GMAC for organizing a great conference. I will be back next week with a regular episode of Wiretaps, and more importantly, with co-host Alex Brown. In honor of Alex, I'm going to wrap up today's show by reminding everyone to stay safe and take care.